Choir. I tell you, there were a couple of times I thought I might go straight to heaven during, uh, during this music. Whew. Adultery. That's today's topic. You know, we uh, went from last week, we talked about capital punishment and war and that kind of thing. And today is adultery. The hits just keep coming, don't they? I've said before that in the 1960s, something changed uh, in, our, uh, in our culture, in our society. What we call the, the free love movement or the sexual revolution, actually the, those changes are rooted in movements that go back two and three hundred years, the enlightenment and even the industrial revolution. But, but something seems to have clicked and begun to accelerate in our North American culture in the 1960s. And what I've, I've come to realize is that what happened was more than just a, uh, a change in attitude, more than just a change in mores or sexual values. What happened was a fundamental a cultural shift. And that shift comes from, by, by that shift I mean, where do we see our moral authority? Where do we think our moral authority comes from? So there was a time several decades ago when there was pretty widespread agreement that moral authority came from, from beyond us. In, in Europe and North America in particular, decades and decades ago, there was fairly widespread agreement, majority agreement, that that our Creator established right and wrong, and, and that the best living of life was to discern what that right and wrong is. Now, that doesn't mean we always did right or even agreed on what right was, but there was this widespread agreement that, that, that God Himself has determined right and wrong. And in fact, at least in, in North America and decades ago in Europe, there was widespread agreement that He had revealed His standards, His moral standards uh, in this book and that the best living of life was in the discerning of that right and wrong. But we've arrived today, after having had experienced this cultural shift, we've arrived today at a time when the majority of folks believe our moral authority is not out there, but, but in here. That, that the, the authority for what we believe in practice is in our gut. It's in our feelings. So we've shifted from moral authority out there to moral authority in here. Barbara Mandrell sang the theme song of this cultural shift. How can this be so wrong if it feels uh, so right? But I don't want to just whine about culture, so here is my plea. Don't get caught up in this sense that, that something is right just because you feel like it's right. When we arrive at that place, then it's like the wild west of morality. Anything goes. It's like cultural or moral anarchy. It's moral chaos. It's whatever somebody thinks. Now, Travis, bless your heart. You're, you're overreacting. It's not that bad. Well, maybe, but I want you to hear the lead sentences, lead paragraph from a Wall Street Journal article less than a month ago, January 22nd, 2024. This is not Christianity Today. It's not your Sunday school book. It's, a, it's the Wall Street Journal. This is the lead paragraph. Kitty Chambliss is already planning her Valentine's Day. 
Her husband will make ravioli and roasted vegetables. She'll bake a cheesecake. Then she'll set a table for three, her husband, herself, and her boyfriend. It's, the, it's a story about polyamory, an increasingly a popular practice whereby there are not two people, but three people in an intimate, committed relationship. Sometimes it's called a thruple instead of a couple. So these are three people, two men and a woman, two women and a man who are committed to each other. It's not like swinging. It's not like, like spouse swapping. They're in a committed relationship. It's, it's simply not a, a husband and wife. It's polyamory. But Travis, that's got to be rare. Well, not so much. That article continues to say that 22% of Americans, yep, 22% have engaged in some sort of consensual non-monogamy. 22% consensual non-monogamy. And it's only a small step from consensual non-monogamy to adultery. So again, hear my plea. Let's not get caught up in this sense that something is right just because you or I think it's or feel it's right. These are the guidelines. These Ten Commandments are guidelines from a loving creator, not a spoil sport. He's not out to ruin our lives. He's out to give us the best life possible. He wired us. He knows us. He loves us tenderly like a father and understands that following his standards are the best living of Life. This is, not, this is not about being prudish and puritanical. It's not about intolerance. It's not about fundamentalism. It's about understanding that unless we, we, unless we follow his guidelines, we will succumb as a culture, not to some foreign power, but to our own immorality. This is a big deal. But Travis, I, I, what, what about adultery? Now, you got off on polyamory. What about adultery? Well, let's talk about adultery. In the Old Testament, if you committed adultery, you could be stoned to death. Why? Because they recognized that, that adultery is not only a crime against one's spouse and kids, but against the whole, of, the whole society. A stable society depended on faithful marriages. And the, the same is still true. That infidelity is still a blow to, the, to society at large because the stable society still depends on husbands and wives being faithful to each other and the stability of, of strong homes. But Travis, I believe that. I, the moral authority for my life is, is God, not my not my gut. And I, I believe that adultery is wrong. I believe it's a sin. Do you have a word for me? I do. I'm glad you, I'm glad you asked. Three things I've learned over all these years being a pastor. Number one is a good marriage begins long before the wedding. Uh, two, the grass is greener where it's watered. And three, you all need, we all need boundaries. Let's start with number one. A good wedding or good marriage begins Years before the wedding. So if you're, if you're not yet married, uh, whether you're watching on live stream or TV or in this room, if you're not yet married, please hear me. Right now, you are developing the character strength that will serve you well when you are married. 
there are so many who are sleeping together and living together, it's, it's not a surprise that so many are having a hard time staying together. So many are living together and sleeping together before marriage, it's, it's not surprising that so many are having a hard time staying together after marriage, because it's when we're dating that we develop those, that, that strength of character that serves us well, that helps us be faithful, choose fidelity when we are married. Now, I, you are drawn, understandably, to a beautiful gift from God, sexuality. But that beautiful gift is intended to be celebrated only within the covenant of marriage. So right now, you, if you're not yet married, you can develop the skills, the strength of character that will enable you to be faithful when you are married. Good, wed- good marriages begin years before the wedding. Number two. The grass is greener where it's watered, not on the other side of the fence. A few years ago, uh, CNN CNN did a story, uh, a news story titled Infidelity. A correspondent asked a man named Tim who had acknowledged his own uh, affair. What were you getting out of the affair? They asked him, and Tim answered. My ego stroked. Attention, just feeling like you're it, you know. It was exciting. And Randy Travis sang, Reasons I Cheat. By the way, you knew I was going to get around to some country music before this was over, didn't you? (laughs) Randy Travis sang. First first of all, he lamented losing his hair. And he talked about the stress of bills piling up. And then he sang, A lady that knows me, affection she shows me. And a smile so easy and sweet. I'm getting older. My life's growing colder. Just some of the reasons I cheat. See, everybody deserves to feel like they're important and heard and valued and attractive and interesting. So do that within your marriage. Affirm each other. Encourage each other. Flirt with each other. Tell him he looks good even when he don't. Tell him he looks good. Tell her when she looks good. I know she does. Tell her she does. Everybody needs to feel valued and everybody feels, everybody has the need for emotional and physical intimacy. Celebrate that within your marriage. The grass is not greener on the other side of the fence, but where it's watered. Third, uh, every couple needs boundaries. Don't be naive. Good people. People who've loved each other, people who've loved God, have fallen, have slipped, have have committed adultery. Malachi 2.15 says, be on your guard and do not be unfaithful to your wife. Carrie and I have been married for over 40 years and we love each other very much, but we're not naive. Four decades ago, we established some boundaries. Let me suggest a few for your marriage. First, decide that you will not friend on social media an old boyfriend or girlfriend, unless you friend his or her spouse, if he or she is married, and unless you include your own spouse. Lots of of folks have headed down a slippery slope just by friending an old boyfriend or girlfriend and, and fanning those flames. Next, decide that you'll make good choices when it comes to working late alone with someone of the opposite sex. Decide you'll make good choices about traveling alone with someone of the opposite sex. Decide that you will not be the confidant 
of someone of the opposite sex. Don't be the, the man to whom women pour out their hearts. Don't be the woman to whom men pour out their hearts. An emotional connection happens and, and could lead to something that you would never intend. Next, decide that uh, when you go on a business trip that you and your spouse will talk every night. Give each other the access codes to your phones. Carrie and I have the same access code. Serves two purposes. Number one, it keeps us accountable to each other. Number two, the older we get, we tend to forget things. So now we can remind each other what the, what the access code is to our phones. Don't be naive. Establish boundaries and stick to them. And now let me speak even more frankly, even more uh, candidly. Each weekend through the screen and in this room and through TV Church, I have the opportunity to speak to a lot of people. And with that opportunity comes heavy responsibility. So let me speak frankly and candidly about this important topic. Odds are great. Odds are great that somebody listening to me right now is engaged in an inappropriate relationship online. And I'm not talking only about pornography, even though pornography is cheating. I'm talking about an increasingly common practice called cyber sex. Sitting at your computer, maybe at work, or when your spouse is asleep, in engaging in a conversation, often using video, having salacious, inappropriate conversations digitally. You are playing with fire. Cut it out. Odds are great that someone listening to me is presently engaged in an inappropriate physical relationship with someone who is not your spouse. You must end it now. Your best hope of saving your family, your marriage, your home is to end it now, to come clean under the direction of a good counselor. There's no guarantee, of course, that if you come clean now that the story will end well, but I, I can tell you that if you get caught, the chances of the story ending well go down significantly. You're going to need some help. You're going to need somebody to guide you through that, but you must come clean. If you wait, it could be big trouble. Odds are great that a couple listening to me right now is reeling from the fact that, that you or your spouse uh, has had or, or is having an affair. The good news is there's hope. One of the advantages of having been a missionary or a pastor for four decades is that I've seen a lot of hurt healed. I've seen a lot of pain redeemed. And I've seen couples, not many, frankly, but I've seen couples survive the, the devastation of an affair. It is possible. Now, the, the one who committed the affair is going to have to be willing to do whatever is necessary to heal this marriage. You're going to have to let your spouse know where you are at all times. You're going to have to follow some rules, maybe forever. The one who was cheated on is going to have to do the the unbelievably hard work of, of forgiving such deep betrayal. But it is possible. But you're going to have to do the hard work. You're going to have to come clean now. You're going to have to do the hard work. Odds are great. 
Odds are great, and, and this may be the, the most potentially common relationship. Odds are great that someone is walking now right up to the line. You are having what might be called an emotional affair already. Your heart is already engaged. Maybe, you're, maybe it's at work, maybe it's at the sports club, maybe it's someone in your social circle. You find yourself thinking about him or her. When you're getting ready and you're going to see him or her, you doll up just a little extra. Maybe you're already thinking about, maybe fantasizing about something beyond a conversation. Please remember, if you, if you cross that line, you're going to jeopardize the most important relationships in your life. If you cross that line, all heck's going to break loose, and it ain't heck that I'm talking about. There's, an old, there's a saying, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Well, here's the truth. It doesn't. Whatever your Vegas is, and wherever it is, whatever that secret is, it never stays in Vegas. Numbers 32:23 says, be sure your sin will find you out. And it does. An email is intercepted, a a voicemail is heard, a text message is seen, and even if if you're not caught, the, the shame haunts you. Consider the whirlwind. Hosea 8, 7 says, they they sow the wind, they reap the whirlwind. What does that mean? It means that this so-called dalliance will result in consequences, a ripple effect far worse than you can imagine. So if if you're walking up to a line, I want you to imagine what it's going to be like when you sit down with your kids and you tell them why their mom or their dad is so deeply brokenhearted. I want you to imagine what it's going to be like when you try to rebuild your family. I want you to imagine what it's going to be like to try to regain the confidence of your friends. I want you to imagine the regrets, even if the wounds do heal, imagine the regrets, the scars that you'll carry with you forever. Consider the whirlwind. Turns out Hank Williams Sr. was right. Your cheating heart will make you weep. You'll cry and cry and try to sleep. But sleep won't come the whole night through. Your cheating heart will tell on you. Be sure your sins will find you out. This is a heavy topic. I would much rather have skipped this commandment. But one of the joys and the burdens of having been a pastor and a missionary for more than four decades is I've looked into the eyes, the red and moist eyes of people whose lives have been devastated by adultery. And part of my calling and responsibility is to sound the warning. Don't be naive. Establish boundaries. Nurture your marriage. If you're not married, develop now the strength of character that will serve you well when you are 
when you are married, and if you have been hurt, if, this is, if, so, if you or your spouse has, has been unfaithful, there is hope. It's not easy, but there is, there is hope. Russell Conwell told about his father who bought some land in New England. It was on a, the, the land ran up a mountainside, but also included the bottomland, that New England bottomland, and there was a, a little creek that ran through the bottom. Russell Conwell said his father thought it would be neat to build a house there at, um, down there near the, near the water. And so when he started clearing the land, his neighbors came to him and said, let us give you some advice. They said, you, if you'll notice, all our, all our houses are up, up the mountainside. They said, we have built our houses above the snake line. They said that, that snakes live down here in the bottom, and there's, a, there's an elevation beyond which they don't. And they said, what makes it worse is that in the spring, when the snow melts, it, it washes down driftwood, and it washes those snakes out of the hole and holes. And they said, it just, it's just kind of dangerous down here. We suggest, they said, build your house above the snake line. The snakes, the venomous snakes that will destroy your marriage are all too common. And so you and I have to, have to build our, our marriages, our homes, above the snake line. We are, we are not perfect people. We are all vulnerable. So I, I'm pleading with you to take seriously the seventh commandment. Do not commit adultery. Whew. 474 is our hymn, and I can't wait to sing. <laughs> <laughs>